about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage <laughs> i'm your host eric anderson and with me as always in studio co-host of the program mr nate up padel what's going on dude oh just just ready to, ready to rock and roll today another zesty day here in uh, southern california oh, God. it's i never sweat so much in my whole life in such a short amount of time <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. It's been like I feel like I haven't, I haven't not been soaked since like June. Like, I was like looking at the forecast. It's like, oh, we're gonna get down to 80, 81. Hell yeah, I'm all about that. You, you remember what seventy degree days used to feel like? Oh man, I'm kind of it might sound weird to say this, but I'm kind of stoked for winter at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna regret that. I'm not gonna. In six months. I'm for sure not with him on this one. Um, still into the summer, the fall. California um, winters are so mild, though. That's true. Um, and we do take that off, so then we can go to Disney World. Um, <laughs> Land. Dis- well, no, we're going to Disney World. Florida. Yeah. Why? Huh? If we're doing a Disney trip, we're going to Disney World. I guess. Yeah, I guess I did say world last week. Um, We we ain't taking the half-ass Disneyland. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. We talked about airfare and all that. Yeah, yeah, definitely world. Exactly. Anyhow, If you're going to do it, you're going to do world. That's enough uh, Disney and weather talk. What do you say we review a beer and get out of here? For now, sports. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Got it. 1.8. Nice. Um... Yeah, man. Other than weather and shit, how you been? Uh, not too bad. Um, just staying busy with a bunch of side projects. Um, nothing too exciting. Uh, got some some uh, people visiting this week, uh, and they brought three dogs with them, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, they're very nice dogs. Nice. My favorite is Tony. Tony? They also, all the dogs have human names, which I'm a big fan Even of. better. Yeah, we got Tony... Maddie and uh, Lindsay. Yeah, all great dogs. Adorable. Yes, they're all adorable. Tony's like a big old pit bull. He's got like that real like thick skin. And it's just like, oh, look at this guy. And he's like, yeah. He he fully believes that he's a very small dog, which is just fun. And apparently, apparently he's a bit of a coward. Even better. My yep. kind of dog. But my, like my dog. Like they so like they've been keeping the backyard kind of gated off. Um, but it's just like the gates that we use for the puppy that we have. Um, and so like watching these dogs, like they're like staring at this dog walking or walking out front, like this gate, I mean, you could just push it a little bit and it'd fall over. But just that like limitation that these dogs have in their head where it's like, Oh, I I can't get through this. How could I ever deal with this? Like, I'm pretty sure these dogs could jump the privacy fence if they wanted to. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. If one's a pit bull. Yeah. Yeah. They got some hops. That's what I'm saying. But uh, what about you? What you got going? Man, just been chilling, trying to get through this heat. Uh, working a little bit in the back at the brewery today. Um, 
doing some PT stuff on my knees, which has been awesome. Getting those those back up to to strength, like I was a a little child again. Uh, yeah, my knees have bugged me for a long time. So getting some answers, taking care of myself. Uh, in contrast to that, I did start making some booze last night. Oh, maybe I shouldn't, sh- shouldn't say that on the air, but uh, yeah, got a little uh, brandy. Do you end up going full brandy with it? Or? No, I'm doing like a, a basically making like a, a grape juice from like Concord grapes that I picked from the property and then mm-hmm. going to do basically a soak with some nice some nice brandy in the grapes. So yeah, nice. Bring out a little bit of that sweetness. Definitely, definitely. I started that last night and checked it this morning, and it's already the sugar's starting to work into those grapes real nicely and getting a lot of juice out of them. So it honestly freaks me out, like watching sugar break things down in yeah. such an immediate like time frame. Yeah, like I probably got three pounds of grapes that I put in this jar. Mm-hmm. Um, like washed them rinsed them with a colander and everything and let them dry and then put them in the jar and added just a touch of sugar and today there was probably like a cup and a half of a grape juice at the bottom of it damn yeah so it's gonna be really good okay probably gonna add the 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 brandy or the cognac tomorrow so okay just a little two-day sugar soak two-day sugar and, and fruit soak i was gonna do like full like 72 hours but i think the way it's breaking down yeah, probably get that alcohol in there and kill fermentation as quick as possible. Probably not a bad idea. Um, yeah, thought about about doing maybe some like clove or some some oak in there, but we'll see. We'll see about that. A little clove. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I gotta pick up a wedding present at uh, Penzi's Spices. Okay. So if you need, I, I think I'm gonna do that tomorrow. So if you want me to pick you up some Penzi's brand cloves. You know, I might because uh, maybe just a couple. They're pretty powerful. If, if anybody's not familiar with Penzies, make yourself familiar with Penzies. It is just a spice shop. Uh, they've got some very uh, interesting marketing. It's kind of fun, but like you walk into one of those stores and you look around and they, each person just like you look at them. You're like, I would trust you in the kitchen over myself. Like, they, they clearly, just looking at them, like, that person knows what's going on. Love it. Last time I was there, it was a lady who kind of looked like my grandma. Nice. Uh, I was like, yep, she's got it. She knows what's happening here. She can steer me in the right direction. They also have a Chicago steak seasoning that is just... Mm. I've heard of this place many times, and I've had some of their products before, but I've never stepped into their their um, their store. Um, had an old roommate that used to get some of their stuff, but... Yeah, it's a cool store. Um, they just recently reopened for in-person shopping. It was all online for a while there. Nice. I'll have to make a trip and get some stuff for some seafood or like a nice end of summer grill out here. Yeah, they actually have. Yeah, like they have spe- seafood specific, seafood grilling specific spices. Like whatever you're thinking about doing, they've got a custom spice blend just for that. Maybe I'll go there for stuff for like a boil. Ooh. They, they got it and they like they even break it down into sections yeah like depending on what kind of protein you're gonna use or if you're in the baking stuff they've got a thing called vanilla sugar that i was like i i don't bake a whole lot so there's no reason i would ever add it but i'm very curious as to what it tastes like well 
You've got my wheels turning, man. You got my mouth watering. Chit, chit. But I think we got a little something to uh, satisfy that craving. What do you say we crack open the conversation, my friend? Hell yeah. I already cracked my beer open, so that's me doing a fake one. You got a little greedy. I got a little greedy. Um, This one's coming to us from the fine folks uh, just down the road, or rather like eight states away. Um, Urban Growler out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, And this is their Dock Diver Golden Ale. Uh, Yeah. Brewed and packaged by Urban Growler, brewing company out of St. Paul. Pure Sunshine. A golden ale brewed with Minnesota wildflower honey. No need to just dip your toes. Or no need to dip your toes. Just jump in. Jump, just jump in. Alright. Let's take it. Mm, yeah, that looks like a golden ale. Mm, kind of interesting smell right off the top. Kind of gives me like a, like a very bready kind of golden ale. Yes. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, while we stew on this one, what do you say we we dive into the uh, the plot synopsis here, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask who I could do something this week. Ooh. I know you're kind of the plot guy, but, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'm sitting over here on these hot days and we're hitting that 50-minute mark and I'm just like, you're not wrong, but... And then sometimes, you know, I'm also not helping the issue. I'm sidetracking you and... I mean, when have you ever sidetracked me right after I said, let's start the plot synopsis? Oh, uh, ba- on a whole tangent. Yeah, basically every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not this time, though. No, not yeah. this time. This is, we're, we're going to fix this a little bit. But okay. uh, I'm thinking that maybe if I let, you know, get my thoughts out of the way early on, that uh, I'll interrupt you less as you, you get your thoughts out of the way. Okay, okay. So, uh,. Up, the hit 2009 animated film from Pixar about Carl, a man who loses the love of his life and his mind. After assaulting a realtor and refusing court-ordered assisted living, Carl kidnaps a young boy and flies his house to South America to stalk his childhood hero in honor of his deceased wife. Okay. You're just just spoiling the whole dang thing, huh? No, no, I think... uh... I had a tough time with fun facts on this one, not because of lack of them, but because, like, people really want to make this film into a lot of things, like, really want to try to stretch and dig stuff out, and something like Wally I could see, but man, the fan theories on Up and the fun facts on Up, I mean, it is a rabbit hole, it is dense, and I mean, I tried to really just kind of use the word distill again mm-hmm. metaphorically distill tried to distill what up was just down to its core just because it's a weird it's a really weird movie i mean ed asner goes crazy and flies his house um, that's true but uh yeah i think at the end of the day it's uh it's a pretty twisted plot for a children's movie yeah it um it like it starts off pretty harmless well not yeah eh. Starts off, yeah, I don't know. Actually, there's, it gets, it dips its toes in that darkness, uh, basically every act. Like, it gets dark, and then we're, like, back up to the top, and then we slowly descend into darkness again, and we're back up, and it just kind of does that until the end of the movie. Yeah, basically. I do, do kind of want to mention, so we've talked a lot about how 
like Pixar has straight up been killing people recently. Yeah. Or in these movies. This movie, they killed one person, but they made damn sure that any time one of the dogs was in peril or like the dog like fell off a cliff, like they all landed in a river and they're all swimming to the shore or like they're falling out of the sky and they've got parachutes. Like they made damn sure that you knew not a single dog died. When really, it's an animated film, so they could kill all the dogs and still say no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Correct. But... Which is kill all the dogs, right? <laughs> I mean, if you have the out to... Not... Okay. No, continue. Please continue. I'm just saying. Yeah, go down I, this rabbit hole. You know. I, I don't know. I... Okay. I, I, I yeah. No? Yep. Yep. You got it? You good? I think I'm alright. <laughs> I could see how that would be uh, misconstrued and... Probably someday I'll cl- someone will clip that and exactly, yeah, it'll yeah. prevent me from being like a senator or something. <laughs> just kill all the dogs. Exactly. That just that sound bite. Gonna, you're done, man. Yeah, it's over. You had a good run. Uh, if anybody would like to co-host a Pixar and Pints podcast with me, um, hit us up at Eric is no longer part of the Sudsbuds at sudsbudsgmail.com. Well, Dusty's got the seat if I'm leaving. Well, that's true. But Dusty's off to off to Tejas. Well, it looks like uh, you and Dusty are moving down to Texas, and <laughs> you're gonna intern for Joe Rogan. And... Ooh, there it is. Get to get to meet none of my heroes, <laughs> and all of Dustin's fathers. Exactly. And then we'll have you on there in a couple of years after you've really gone off the deep end. <sighs> Man, I hope not. Is, that's the path that you've chosen. I hope. I, I, I really hope not. You just one-way ticket yourself to the Rogan podcast. <sighs> I mean, if, if Joe Rogan called me tomorrow and he was like, dude, you want to be on the podcast? I'd probably be like, do, do you want me on the podcast? <laughs> like, who told you? Who who did you get this referral from? And He wants to give you a chance to defend your kill-all-dog statement. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really want to do an apology tour on Joe Rogan. <laughs> I stand by my words. What I what I said was, if you heard the whole thing in its context, I, I love dogs. Dogs are great. I love cats. Mr. Backpedaling out here. No, no. Do they I'm have a Do they have an Olympic competition for backpedal? The backpedal? Because I think you got a real shot at the gold there, pal. I would suck at it. I'm quite clumsy, but uh, <laughs> love the dogs. Okay. Dogs are great. Sure, but. But in animation world, if you have the ability to to kill off anything, do it. I mean, duh, right? I mean, I mean, Wally—they just killed off the whole human race, more or less, or turned them into gummy bears. They turned them into gummy bears. But actually, did anybody die in Wally? I don't think so. A couple thousand people that got smashed when the Axiom turned on its side, and they all crushed each other when they slid. I mean, they—you saw them all. Like they made it very clear that they were like bouncing off of each other. Yeah, but they died. Oh, okay. Well, if you're so sure. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, even the robots. The only robot that, like, kind of died was um, Otto, but like he just turned him off. So I guess that's not killing him. Put it this way: we're supposed to believe that population's going way up, which I I truly do. Evidence is there. There's no way there was more than like seven billion people on the Axion. That's true. And they were, I mean, but like in the start of that movie, there were a lot of ships taking off, and that was the only one that we saw land. 
No. See, I told you I wouldn't sidetrack you at all. <laughs> all right. So, uh, wait. So, do I dive into the plot? I mean, you already gave basically the rundown of the movie here. Or you just got a lot of fun facts you're trying to get through today? I got some good fun theories. facts. I did my work. Uh, okay. No, no conspiracy theories. There was just too many out there. It was like, I don't know, man. A lot of people wanted to read in super deep to up. Sure. But I love the opening sequence of this movie. It's, uh, it's a tough one. It is. It's, it's pretty heavy for a kid's movie. Yep. Um, well, why don't, why don't I paint the picture, you know? Even though you gave all the spoilers away here. Um, so we open up uh, similar to the last couple where it's an old reel. Uh, and we're watching this um, famed explorer, uh, Mark, what? Uh, Mark. Charles Muntz. Charles Muntz, the famed explorer, um, going on his adventures. And he goes to a place called Paradise Falls and brings back the skeleton of the the monster of paradise falls which kind of looks like a really tall dodo bird with claws um everybody's happy about it and then the scientific community deems that it is a forgery and not real and charles has then decided to go back to paradise falls and not return until he captures one of these creatures alive and brings him back a snipe a snipe yes um so, and then it kind of cuts, or it cuts to a child watching this in the theater. Uh, and that's where we meet our, one of our main characters, uh, Carl Fredrickson. Um, again, child. Also, kind of a weird thing. Um, thing I couldn't really get over. So, Carl, at this point, how old would you say he is? Like, six, seven years old? Sure. Right? Yeah. And Charles Muntz, in that footage, how old would you say he is? Early 20s. Sure. So we got, we'll, we'll say, we'll just say even 20, right? Make it easy. So we got a 14-year difference. Now, when we fast forward, um, and they're at Paradise Falls, uh, both of these characters are roughly the same age. Yeah, maybe you just I... attribute it to uh, Carl living a a little bit of a a rougher life, just being in not even a harder life, but just like maybe a more unhealthy life, living inner city as an American, versus Charles, who's been in South America, probably eating and living pretty clean next to a waterfall. I mean, that's probably not bad for your age. That's that's probably true. He looks like a pretty fit guy. I mean, he's still actively exploring and, and stuff when we meet him later on. That's true. I don't know. Just kind of something to stew on. Because it was one of those like weird things where like one guy's yeah, 14, 15 years older than the other guy. But they're both kind of in that same... They both look roughly the same age mm-hmm. um but anyway so back to the towards the beginning of the movie um so then we we see um uh carl running down the street uh he's got a little balloon called with the spirit of adventure which is the name of um charles Muntz's air blimp ship uh running down the sidewalk pretending he's you know flying through the sky and he hears 
this voice coming from an abandoned house. Um, so he kind of sneaks into the abandoned house. And that's where we stumble upon... Ellie. Uh, Ellie, that's right. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time remembering these names. I don't know either. There's only like six of them in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Uh, That's where we stumble upon Child Ellie. Um, Another big fan of Charles Muntz, the Explorer. Um, And we kind of go through this whole montage after that. Um, They get along. They start this adventure club, um, hanging out all the time. And it kind of just shows them growing up together, and then they get married, um, they buy a house, they start fixing it up, kind of having an adventure of their own. Um, then, yeah, bunch of fun, romantic stuff, and then they kind of decide that they want to have kids. And throughout this whole montage, there's no talking parts. There's like a nice overtone score, which is fun. Um, not There's enough happening where... It didn't feel like Wally really, where it was just like oh, there wasn't a big score with Wally, at least not for like the montage parts. It right. was much more sound effect driven. This is like a, yeah, a growing up montage. Um, but then it starts to take a dark turn. Um, they decide they want to get pregnant. And they paint a baby room, and then they're at a doctor's office, and they find out that they can't get pregnant. Um, then it kind of falls on, um, Fredrickson to cheer Ellie up and that starts working. And then it kind of gets into a happier life again, um, kind of in the older age. And Carl decides that he wants to bring Ellie to Paradise Falls, the place that, um, they talked about as children place where Carl Muntz is exploring finding his monster um and then he's about to surprise her with these tickets they're up on top of this hill they would go to with picnics and Ellie trips and falls on this hill and that's essentially the decline um kind of flashes to a hospital room Ellie hands Charles or not Charles uh Carl her adventure book that they had when they were kids and then we flash to a funeral so basically we see these kids grow up get married have a life together and then ellie dies yeah dark yep it's yep. real feel good stuff uh-huh um then we after that we kind of flash forward again to i'm sorry uh, that that montage is incredible. It's a very well done. It's montage. very good. Yes. I don't want to like. I know we're cracking jokes and having a good time, but like, if if there's one part of this movie, even if you're listening to this podcast and you listen for the the beer portion and you're kind of just along for the ride for the Pixar portion, go on YouTube, go on Disney Plus, look up like the first ten minutes of Up. It's it's just great cinema. It really is. Yes. You know, however you feel about the movie after that, that's whatever. But, like, it's almost a short film within a movie. I wouldn't even count that as part of the first act. You know, that's kind of like a... Prelude. Yeah, it really is. And it's it's powerful and it's well done. And like you said, the the accompanying music, um, the, yeah, it's... It is... That's just my serious note on it. 
Very um, good. Yeah, basically it's a whole 10, yeah, roughly 10 minute. Is that, it's only 10 minutes? It might be a little bit longer. I that, figured but... the first 10 minutes, because like right before that, there's the thing with him watching the stuff in the theater. Yeah. But I figure at about the 10 minute mark, we're to present day. Sure. Um, and then, what was I going to say about that? Basically, the whole, that whole bit is to set up, um, set up his motivation throughout the whole movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's essentially all his backstory motivation for what he's about to do. Um, so then we flash forward, he's still in the house, um, kind of shows that he's aged a lot, and, I mean, even more, he's walking around with a cane, um, he's kind of going through his day-to-day, he walks, gets dressed up, walks outside, sits on his porch, and then it kind of zooms out to a shot, and it turns out he's in a development zone, and there's, like, Big construction zones all around and building skyscrapers. He's essentially... He's the last standing home. Yeah, the last standing home in what would be like a downtown area. Yep. Last last uh, old owner that hasn't sold yet. Yes. Um, and he makes a very specific point that he won't be selling. And... Until he's dead. So yeah, he exactly. Have it over my dead body. Yes. The, guy, the boss can have the house when he's dead. Yep. He says that. Um... And then we watch a construction vehicle start backing up and knock over his mailbox, which um, during the montage scene, we had seen him and Ellie decorating. Um, He's very sentimental about that, so he rushes over there. Um, The construction worker is trying to put it back up, and he keeps telling him not to touch it. He keeps, like, pulling it away and trying to fix it, and he eventually hits him on the head with his cane. Yeah. Yeah, assaults a yeah construction worker. It's a it's a sticky situation because at this point I can probably still defend Carl a little bit. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie, it's like he's committed some some he's committed too many felonious acts for me to give him the benefit of the doubt. At that point, I'm like you senile crazy old man. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm still kind of like I get it, man. I get it. Like if if I'm by no means a, a, a tough human being, but if I walked home and as I'm walking home, or not even walking home, if I'm sitting in my house and there's somebody screwing with our mailbox, like having broken our mailbox and now messing with it, and I go out and I say, hey, please don't touch my mailbox, and they continue to mess with my mailbox, I mean... You're going to bop them on the head with a cane? Pro- maybe. I'll <laughs> probably pick up the nearest heavy thing I have and hurl it at him. Okay. I mean... That's I think that's a federal crime messing with mail. I'm pretty sure it is actually. I don't know about the and mail. on your property. So I mean I, I don't know, mm. man. I kind of get that to a certain point. Like I am not a gun dude. I'm not gonna blast somebody that's messing with my mail. But I might pick up like a a plate. You know <laughs> why you got a plate out there? I don't know. I'm keeping bre- plates ma- in your front yard. Maybe I'm eating breakfast in my front porch. Well, that very well. You don't even have a front and porch. I just, Odd job, some someone with a plate, some construction worker that's trying to mess with my mailbox. It's it's always been fascinating to me how, like, very serious the laws around the mail is. Dude, you don't mess with mail. Nope. Like, that. it's just this thing where it seems innocuous enough, and for the most part, everybody's mail is 90% junk mail. Yeah. 
but like it is almost always a federal crime to do anything to or with mail that is not yours. Yes. Like even opening other people's mail, I'm pretty sure is a federal offense. That especially, I mean, at that point it bridges into almost like a weird like surveillance aspect, you know? Yeah. But, but also who's sending important information through the mail? Yeah, but I mean, I get, I mean, taxes and stuff. Sure. I get it, but it's just, it's just fun to me. Like how incredibly serious all mail related crimes are. No, I know. I'm just saying that's like, at this point I can defend, I can still defend old Mr. Carl. Sure. You know? Fair enough. Um, yeah, he, good he thing. He said multiple mm-hmm. times, don't, le- don't touch my mailbox, leave but, it be. As he's like holding the mailbox. Yeah, and the guy's yep. like trying to take it and fix it. Yeah. Or steal his mail. That could be too. Um, good thing we're not getting sidetracked here. <laughs> anyway um yeah so they kind of use that uh that assault as a as a ploy to take carl's house from him um and it works um he's being forced into a retirement community forced to give up his home and he has this one last crazy idea um the people show up to oh shit i skipped a small part that's kind of important. Um, right before the assault, he gets a knock on his door, and it is uh, the other main character from the movie. Um, the why is it Wild Rangers? Wilderness Rangers? He's a Boy Scout. It's basically a Boy Scout, uh, but it is Russell, a uh, small Boy Scout trying to earn his last merit badge to become a senior wilderness explorer. Um, and which is assist an old person. Carl decides to have a little bit of fun with him and sends him on a snipe hunt. Um, if you don't know what a snipe hunt is, it's basically tricking people into looking for an animal that doesn't exist. Uh, a lot of times it involves clapping three times. Like, it was kind of funny seeing him pull this prank because, like, people would do that in the Boy Scouts. Like... If you could get somebody to buy into it, it was kind of fun watching them walk around. You just bet them an exorbitant, exorbitant amount of money or like something that they for sure would want to go on a snipe hunt. And you'd see people walking around the woods clapping three times. Um, yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, but anyway, back to where I was at. So Carl's final plan is to lift his house off its foundation with uh, helium balloons. Um, And so releases all these balloons from his backyard, tears the house right out of the foundation, and they're off. He's off. He's flying his house to Paradise Falls. Yeah, Um, he's he's fleeing the law. Yep. He is a wanted criminal at that point, right? Probably. He's just committed assault on a construction worker. He's been summoned to court. He went to court, got sentenced. Well, basically they were light on the assault, but they did force him to go into assisted living and finally give up his home was kind of the way I took it. And then he chooses not to do that and kind of takes a hostage minor with him in the process. Well, yeah, but like the kid was hiding on his porch waiting for the snipe. You're not wrong, but my whole issue is he doesn't try very hard to bring him back. Ah, uh, he did. He was trying. 
and then they flew into that storm. Remember? Yeah, but like, even after that, he's like, you know, we're going to walk and get settled in my new home, and then we'll figure it out after. It's like, no, dude, it should be like, I've still got air in my balloons. I've got somebody's kid in my house. Like, we need to get you back home, not just, well, now you can come along with through my senile adventure while I bathe in a public fountain and fly my house to south america and bathe in a public fountain what are you talking just about just talking crazy old guy stuff <laughs> okay the kind of I, was stuff like, Carl would I do. clearly missed some sort of scene there no i mean it, it's implied pretty early on the dude's like batshit crazy at this point i don't i i <laughs> disagree fully you are just defending him i have not brought up any other grievances that you could possibly have other than i mean the flying the house and the taking the boy scout are are if any one of my neighbors did that i would call them not such a great person well okay i i think his hands were i mean were kind of tied like okay you're right if you ever hands tied in a legal bind listeners just just listen to Nate. Listen to Nate. Kidnap yes. a Boy Scout and strap was... a bunch of balloons to your house and fly to a life of hiding in South America. Actually, I would be curious what the legal responsibilities for returning that kid would be. Because, like, he stowed away. Now he's there, right? He's on... They're in South America. Like, he was trying to, like, turn them... Like, land them, get him down to street level so he could go home and they... He did try to do that. Then they got caught in that storm. Then he passes out. Then they're awake in South America. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, and then, like, they're starting to crash into stuff. So, his... He's already too low. Like, he's already lost too much helium to fly the house back. And... Like, again, at what point does it become Carl's responsibility to return this kid? The entire time. I don't know about that. Like, how is it... The kid's stowed away on his property. And then he finds out the kid's there. He's not forcing the kid to come with. But, like, is it Carl's responsibility to make sure the kid gets home? Here's the best way I can think of this, all right? And maybe it's a little bit of a loose comparison, but I got back from my vacation a few weeks ago. It would be like if I got to my destination on vacation. Sure. And I opened my check bag once I arrived at my hotel and found, oh, there's a kid in my checked bag. Okay. Well, you know what, pal? You know, we'll get you back eventually. But in the meantime, I'm on vacation. I got some stuff to do. So you're going to come with me to the bar and Heat. we're going to hang out and we're going to... You're doing this thing again, though, where you're like, you're saying that you're forcing... Carl never forced him to come with him to do anything never force him in fact uh russell was actively trying to win his merit badge by helping carl yeah but at this point carl's just being i mean by the time they touch ground in in south america Mm -hmm. what's the kid's name again russell russell's done enough by this point to deserve his merit badge he's flown him out of a storm at that point if carl had a decent head on his shoulders, which his head is his entire body. The dude's head is a freaking Rubik's Cube on a stick. And, yeah, he still doesn't have enough brain cells to be like, oh, the easy way out is 
I did this once, I can do it again. I give the kid his stupid badge. I fly this kid back to his parents. But at this point, he can't then fly can... he can't fly it back. But he can. There's no, still... he can't. Remember like the balloons were already deflating. Like they're already that's why they had to drag it across. Like they can't get back up into the house. Remember, they're stuck on the ground. They can't But they get... fly the house later on in the movie without reinflating it. No, because it, well, yes, but that's only because it had sank even lower so they could get onto the house. Remember, like, they land in South America. They're, like, walking it to the location because they can't, they can't get back into the house. They can't fly it anywhere, and they're stuck on a mountaintop, right? They're stuck on this, well, not a mountaintop, a giant plateau. They're stuck up there. I think at this point we're just disagreeing on physics because... I mean... Well, like, they tried to get back into the house, remember? Well, they didn't try super hard. And, I mean, they they eventually give up on trying to get back into the house that wants to still float away and decided that they are better off to anchor it. You know what I mean? Like, had they tried a little harder and gotten Russell up through the window and had him, like, real... Well, but they tried... To, that's what they tried to do at first. And Russell couldn't climb the, the hose that was dangling down. Remember? I just find it hard to believe that they can walk this house, like, for multiple days, but they don't have the strength to pull it down, like, six feet. I mean, like I said, he... The pulling it down thing... You could have some arguments there. But we're supposed to believe there's enough helium to keep this house floating. Especially once they find the... the um, What's it called? The snipe. The snipe at multiple points, like, helps them out through its, like, physical traits. Like, that's true. once they meet the snipe, they tie a string to the snipe's neck, they pull the house down, old man climbs into the house, shoots the snipe, takes Russell, and flies back to the U.S. of A. and drops Russell off with his kids, and then can re-embark on his, his adventure, you know. I'm just saying, he, He like, could have tried harder, but I'm not saying that there was a very easy option for him. He yes, I I won't disagree. He probably could have tried harder, but this all happened pretty damn quick, because remember he found the snipe. He tried to get rid of the snipe, and then that's immediately when they run into the dogs. They get brought to the blimp. Yeah, we'll just kind of run with this because this kind of puts me back on track here. Suds Buds presents Pints and Pixar, the show where Nate defends kidnapping. <laughs> nice. We're both getting canceled today, buddy. Um, okay, so yeah, they land on the plateau, and then they meet they meet Doug the dog, um, who has like a voice decoder thing. Yep. So he can speak, and then they meet Kevin. Uh, Kevin is the, for lack of a better word, snipe. I don't know that they ever gave them whatever snipe. We'll call it a snipe. He's a giant, pretty bird. Yes. Um, it's hilarious and it's great because russell names him kevin and then they find out kevin's a girl but they they just still call call her call her kevin yeah um but then the other dogs show up the dogs that uh charles yeah charles months uses to like scout and work for him and those dogs immediately kidnap both of these two and escort them to the blimp. So now they're at the blimp, and um, 
Carl's all excited because it's a spirit of adventure and he gets to meet his hero and it's, yeah, very exciting. They're chatting and he does actually bring up, he's like, this is great. Like, got the blimp, like we can get him home. So he does bring it up. But then we find out that Charles Muntz is batshit crazy and has been killing adventurers whenever they come to Paradise Falls. Like, Charles Muntz straight up been killing people. Yeah. Like, he's got all their adventure hats over there. Yeah, he's kind of not a great thing. dude. He's no. almost as bad as Carl. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so. No, Carl's yeah. by far the the second worst character in the movie. Muntz has got him beat. Yeah, Muntz has got him beat for sure. I can't honestly believe that, that Carl's killed anybody. Unless it's like. From his house crashing into stuff. Maybe he killed a couple people with his house. Eh, maybe. Eh. Nah. Eh. Eh. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we learn uh, Charles Muntz, because his whole reputation is riding on catching this snipe and bringing it back alive, that uh, he's very wary of any other people that are on the island or in the area. And starts to distrust uh, Carl and Russell. At this point, we find, or Carl looks out the window and sees Kevin floating on top of their house. That's parked outside the blimp. Uh, He tries to hurry Russell out, um, which then kind of just starts this whole chase sequence. Um, So they're running away. Uh, They finally are able to clear this gap that uh, the dogs can't clear and again like i said earlier they make it very clear that no dogs none of these dogs died like the dogs straight up run and jump and fall off of a cliffside and they fall into a river they look down at the river and the dogs are swimming to safety so they've kind of escaped um and then they use um charles months and the the crew use uh, Doug's tracking device, because Doug is still with Carl and Russell, uh, to track the group down and capture Kevin before they can release him. At which point, um, Carl kind of has the option of saving Kevin. Or, yeah. Carl has the option of saving Kevin or letting... Yeah, or saving his house. Basically, Charles Muntz starts his house, or fire beneath his house, and he's got two options. Um, the fact that he went for his house upsets Russell. They kind of have this little tussle back and forth. Not tussle. Um, Russell basically just throws temper tantrum after temper tantrum. And then Carl is sitting in his house, um, parked kind of where it wants to be but not overly close and he's reading through the adventure book that Ellie had given him um, that they had as kids and he finds that she had been filling it out while they were growing up mm-hmm. um, pictures of their wedding pictures of all the fun adventures they went on and then a uh, a small note to him um, about uh, I think it just said, thanks for the adventure, now go have a new one. Um, at this point, we hear Russell, or um, Carl goes looking for Russell, who's been hanging out at the house, and we see Russell has taken a handful of balloons and a leaf blower 
and basically Wicked Witch of the Wests up to chase down the Spirit of Adventure. Right, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, so he flies his ass up there, and um, Carl tries to get his house flying again, but it's not moving anywhere, and he figures out that if he removes all of his pro- his possessions from his home, all of like the memories he has, all of those, the house will fly again, and he can go save Russell. So he does that, he empties out his whole house, flies the ship, his house, back up to the Spirit of Adventure, and we have this whole battle scene um, where they work to get Kevin out of the house. They end up at the on the top of the blimp, and Charles Muntz starts just straight up shooting at people. Yep. Um, shoots at the house and knocks a bunch of balloons off. So it's no longer flying. It's just slowly descending mm-hmm. and starts trying to... I'm pretty sure he's just trying to shoot Kevin. But like he sh- for sure as shit doesn't give a crap that Russell and Doug are basically standing in front of Kevin. No, not at all. Like He's trying to kill that bird and he doesn't care who's around it also he tried to murder russell earlier um when carl is flying up to the blimp he and he's got russell as a prisoner he realizes that Carl's going to be coming for russell so he sets him on the ramp as they're in midair and lowers the ramp so he just starts sliding down this ramp and is going to fall from like twenty thousand feet <laughs> Like he straight up Sorry, did it's that. Not funny. It, I mean, it's kind of funny because he's just like, like this guy is clearly just he's had enough of everything. He's going to kill everyone. He's going to get this bird. This bird. Yeah, he needs this bird. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, so Kevin, at this point, when he starts shooting the balloons, um, they're about to escape from the blimp, uh, but now. We've got Kevin, Doug, and Russell on in the house, and Carl trying to save them from falling. Yes. Um, at which point, then Russell breaks into the house with his gun, um, trying to break in to shoot him, and they all jump out a window back onto the blimp. Uh, Charles tries to jump out the same window, gets stuck on some balloons, and falls to his death. Yeah. Um, and then the house slowly kind of sinks off into the clouds, and that's pretty much the end of it. Um, they bring, they fly the blimp back to America, so Russell can get his badge and be with his family. And Russell's dad ends up not showing up to the merit badge ceremony, which is kind of this whole thing. And Carl steps in to bestow a badge upon him. And yeah, I forgot. Was there a lot of mention of Russell's dad? There was. There was a bit about it where, um, basically, Russell's dad, like the one, he's kind of he works a lot and he's never really around, but he's always around at the merit badge ceremonies. Oh, gotcha. And so, like, that's why Russell was so determined to get these merit badges, sure, so he could see his dad. I remember that. Yeah, but then his dad ends up not being at this one anyway. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the end of the movie. So Carl's, oh yeah, also it cuts to a scene where Carl's house 
landed in the exact spot that they wanted it to, that he was trying to bring it to before. So the house is just sitting on the falls. And that's up. Yeah, that is that is up. So, back to my Carl argument. Uh, basically, at every point in this movie, he either doesn't have a way to get Russell home, or they're being chased by Charles Muntz, who's trying to kill them. And then once he does get the option, like with the blimp, once he does get the blimp, brings Russell straight home. So I feel like you're villainizing him or demonizing him a little too harshly. Here. Maybe. I just don't think... Yeah, I think even if he made it back to America, he'd be imprisoned for the rest of his life following those hijinks and all that danger and peril he put the kid through. And also... Never really has a change in heart towards Russell to like the last few minutes of the movie. He always kind of seems like this kid is a pain in his ass the whole time. And it's like, dude, then take him back home. You're walking a house for well, at this point, the three house, quarters of a movie. At this point, the house is stuck on the ground. Yeah, but before that, basically, before assume that, that they were being chased th- by the dogs. Th- but as far as runtime goes, three quarters of this movie is two characters with a house strapped to their back. That's true. Walking in one direction towards putting this house down by a waterfall because he promised it to his wife. Dude, that can wait. You got a balloon house. Return this kid. But, again, the balloon house is already sinking, so he knows he can't fly it back. He could. He could just, you know, ditch all of his possessions. Well, yeah, but he that hadn't that thought hadn't crossed his mind. Well, it should have. You See, gotta think a little mm, harder when you're in a situation that involves kidnapping. I can't, I, I don't, if, if we've got any legal experts uh, that could clarify for us whether or not uh, Carl was kidnapping Russell or if Russell was a stowaway and he's not really Carl's responsibility, I'd yeah. love to hear from you. Yeah, any attorneys listening, what's the legality on, you know, driving across country on a move in a U-Haul van, arriving at your destination, finding a kid in your U-Haul van and being like, yeah, you can stay a while. I got some shit to do. You can stay a while. We'll get you back eventually, but it might be, you know, you're like, what? You're like seven, five. Okay. Yeah. We'll get you back by 14. Again, you're, you're embellishing the parts that are not overly relevant. I mean, the whole thing probably only took two days, three days, the whole movie. Yeah, I doubt that. I mean, they flew to South America. I find it hard to believe was... that you can fly via balloon from wherever they were to South America hey, if and we... back in two days. We can't exactly... I mean, we ha... we've been... It's been pushed on us that we have to pretty much ignore physics at this point. I mean, this house is being lifted by the balloons that are attached to the steel grate in a fire pit. Unless that fire pit, like the... The metal rack that they're all attached to. You remember that scene? Yeah. Unless that fire pit is also the somehow the entire metal base of the house. It's not, that's not how it works then. I was going to guess like three weeks to a month they were gone for. There's no way it was three weeks to a month. Just based on the fact that like there's... Okay. Just the progression of Carl and the fact that he goes from like clean shaven to like old man beard by the time they land... And the fact that... like stubble. 
I guess. So maybe, yeah, maybe he grows it out quick. Maybe it's one night. But either way, the thing that makes me think it's longer is the fact that by the time they get back, there's a whole scene where he's like, I've had so much physical activity, I no longer need my cane. You can keep it. Like, he can barely walk out his front door when this movie starts. And now at the end, it's like, he's a young man. Like, there's no way I'm believing that's even happening in a week. I'm saying, I'm saying this movie takes place three weeks to a month at the very shortest i'm i'm putting that like a week because okay at week at most and here's my thought process with it so they take off and carl is trying to find a way like after he realizes russell's with him carl's trying to find a way to get russell back right as soon as he realizes that carl's with him or russell's with him he's trying to figure out a way to get him back then they end up flying. Then Russell starts fucking with the, uh, the the apparatus he uses to steer the house, which knocks a bunch of shit over. Carl then tries to pick up that stuff, turns his sound um, or his hearing aid off as Russell's explaining about the cloud that they're flying into, big storm cloud. Then when they wake, when then they fly into the storm, he's trying to save them. Gets knocked on the head, passes out, right? He wakes up, they're in South America. Right? Kid's a Boy Scout. He could have been self-sufficient for a couple weeks and Carl was just out in a coma. I mean, possibly, but again, you can't blame Carl for that then. You can't blame him for the time he was passed out after actively trying to get the kid home. He was passed out. The Any... I think you're missing where my issue's lying with Carl. I, the storm, out of his control. The stuff yep. with months, out of his control. Yep. That occupies a very small portion of this movie. If we're counting the battle scene with months and the rainstorm, we're looking at probably 10 minutes of an hour long movie. When a lot of that movie... Way more than that, because then, like, they land, like, and that's, that. this is where we're talking about where they walk in the house. Then they meet Kevin and they meet uh, Doug. Yep. But they get chased um, by dogs and. Yeah. But yeah, but when they get grabbed by the dogs, that's like same day, that like they're walking the house. Then they meet Kevin, and then the dogs show up, because Doug says uh, he's got the prisoner. Remember? Then the dogs show up, and then they escort them. Like the dogs are vicious, and they have no idea what they're doing. The dogs escort them to. Charles is made uh, blimp and at that point it's basically running from this guy who's trying to kill us I know I know I'm just saying like this is a movie that it is humans it is set on earth you know they are s- somewhat humanoid they're you know they're referencing actual places that exist in the world based on all these things I have to compare balloon travel to plane travel and it, just for that reason I'm putting at no less than a week on the front end and the back side of that travel. Granted, they didn't travel back via balloon. They took the freaking Hindenburg, but... Yes, that's true. Um, I don't know. I'm saying, like, from when the movie opens on Carl being in the city, mm-hmm. from that point to being in South America, two weeks, ten days, two weeks? I, I still don't buy it. Like I just don't believe any storm that a hot air balloon blows into can make that balloon transport quicker than like a 737 or like a 
you know, commercial yes. jet. A commercial. Well, it's not making it faster than a commercial jet, but a commercial jet ain't taking two weeks to get you to South America. No, but I mean, it's going to be more than like a. I don't know. It, it's a weather balloon, dude. Weather balloons can move pretty fast. That's got a house strap to it. Well, there's a lot of balloons. Again, we've had to remove this whole thing. Like this thing. I mean, he caught up to the blimp when the house had nothing in it. Like, he was flying that, and he caught up to the blimp that was hightailing it back to the States. So, like, that thing was cruising. And that was after most of the balloons were deflated. He was... The boy was moving. I just... Again, and even if you add that week time onto the front end of it, even if it did take a week's time, Carl was then in a coma for a week. So you can't put any of that on him. No, I'm, I'm just, my issue is as soon as they touched down and their goal became to keep this house grounded, that is Carl's like tragic flaw sure. of the entire film. And I just think that like the one redeeming quality, and this is a Pixar move, they thank God they didn't have any points in the film where like the kid was scared and wanted to go home. The kid was having a better time than Carl was for most of the film other yes. than when Carl met months. So at least it wasn't like, I want to go home, I'm scared. Because if they would have added that element, I mean, even alone, it's, I don't know. I'm, I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and watching it with adult eyes, I'm just saying the whole time, like, you better take this kid back, you better take this, Carl? <laughs> Carl, you gotta turn yourself in, old man. This shit's gotta stop, dude. You can't blame this on being senile, dude. You got, this kid has parents, Carl. I don't know. Just watching him very shamefully, very judgy. He's a sick old man. I like. I'm not saying he was perfect, but I feel like you you got a lot of beef with this man. I didn't like him from a kid. Like even like the early montage with Ellie, I'm like she seems like so much fun. Yeah. And this guy just sucks and got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he kind of depended on her to be like the. Sp- bearded person and now he depends on this kid to get to south america (laughs) again actually the kid had the opportunity if if we are assuming a week the kid had that whole week to turn that boat around and fly back can't blame it on the kid the kid's a minor the adult knows better (laughs) the adults passed out the kids got control (laughs) just passed out the kids got control of the ship and he just flew it to south america this might be the most we've disagreed on this show. <laughs> I think we're going to put a rest to it there. All right, I don't, that's I don't fine. think we're going to come to terms on this. I think there's more conversation that needs to be had off air, but I said what I said, and, and so did you. <laughs> Pretty good. What do you say we give the people a beer rating? Uh, I suppose a little we can pick do that. Me up. A little pick-me-up. I wish I had saved a little bit, but... So we just got done drinking Urban Growler Brewing Company's Dock Diver Golden Ale, and we picked this one because it's got a cute little dog on the front of it, yeah. much like our dog, Doug. Looks like a little Doug. Um, yeah, man, I like this. Uh, Urban Growler, cool place, women-owned brewery. I believe the first women-owned brewery in the state. Yep. Um, I just like this beer, man. Very bready. It was, yeah, a lot more bready than I thought it was going to be. But Pretty light for a Blondale, but like, yeah, just very biscuity. Wish it would have been a little colder, but that's a, a me problem. Um, 3.9. 3.9, all right. 
Um, I think I'm going to be right there with you, actually. Um, the only thing I wish I would have got a little more of is that Elderflower Honey. Um, I think that would have been cool, and I'm pretty sure that they did a Elderflower Cream Soda a while back. Ooh. That was really good. It was either them or Wooden Hill, but I'm pretty sure it was them. Fancy, fancy. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go 3-7 with it. 3-7 and 3-9. It's a nice nice crushable beer. Kind of similar to like a very light Oktoberfest with that breadiness. Yeah, yeah, good comparison. Or even just like a, a really light lager. Yeah. Yeah, it was easy. I like that. I like easy. Most definitely. Well, we hope this first part of the episode's been easy on your guys' <laughs> ears. Let us know if you're Team Carl or Team... I don't know. Not Carl. Yeah, fuck that. Let us know if you're Team Eric or Team Nate. <laughs> Shoot us an email. Uh, we'll fight about it. But uh, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with some fun facts, so don't go anywhere. Especially to South America. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. I could help you cross the street. No. I could help you cross your yard. No. I could help you cross your porch. No. Well, I gotta help you cross something. Uh, no, I'm doing fine. Good afternoon. My name is and I am a wilderness explorer in Tribe 54. Slow down. Wet Lodge 12. Kit! Are you in need of Thank any you, but I don't need any help. Yo, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, yeah, we're back. And uh, we got another beer to crack open. So let's crack open the conversation. Nate has no idea what we're drinking. I don't. It is the Fuzztail Hefeweizen Sun River Brewing Company from Oregon. One of the beers that I flew back, so excited to see what we got going on here. It says an American wheat ale, refreshing wheat ale with a light cit citrus touch, and uh, yeah, brewed in Sun River, Oregon. So, and of course, Fuzztail, the tie-in is also, it's a dog beer, so. Nice. Which I think in this case... Um, this is supposed to be like a, a fox on on this beer can, but we'll say it's a dog. I am going to say, dog, foxes are just other dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be gentle with this one. This is a crispy boy. Well, cheers, man. We can actually reach each other today. We've reconfigured our seating situation. Uh, we've got a very minimalistic coffee table out here. We do, we do. Yep. A new coffee table in the studio. That is a crispy boy. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to sip on this while I sling some fun facts at you guys. So are you ready? I'm ready. Did you know, according to co-director Pete Docter, the famously heart-wrenching sequence titled Married Life, which traces Carl and Ellie's life together, was originally supposed to have dialogue. Uh, so basically they submitted multiple drafts where it had everything from this, like, real kind of sappy dialogue of them finishing each other's sentences and sound effects and stuff. And at every meeting, they just kept 
getting told by producers, scale it back, scale it back, scale it back. More character, less stuff, less sound, less talk. We don't need it. Let's just show us the characters. Just what are they doing? Let them let them act. And uh, the result was uh, what we saw in the final product. So basically, uh, yeah, they said, quote, they took out all the stuff as well. Excuse me. This is a weird quote. Uh, I see it, it's a two-part quote. Um, yeah, basically, just to paraphrase, they said that it was better off, you know, pulling everything and uh, just sending the scene to Michael Giacchino and letting him score it. They felt that was the best. I was going to say, with, with dialogue, it wouldn't have... I feel like it would have been harder to cover as much ground as they did. Yeah. Um, they would have had to cut a lot more of that kind of stuff out. Definitely. And, yeah, I don't think it would have been... Uh, I feel like this was the right choice. It would have just felt like more of the movie. And it not that it, Ellie isn't an important character, obviously, but like killing off a character that's had like a lot of talking points or like a lot of dialogue would pr- feel pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Where this kind of softened that blow in a way. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, this next one's kind of interesting. So, um, while some of the moments in Carl and Ellie's life were pulled from the filmmakers' own lives, they also did a lot of research into the lives of other people. Uh, quote, Strangely, we got a couple of home movies from the internet. Michael Giacchino has a collection that I think he ordered from eBay, uh, Pete Doctor told the Los Angeles Times. Quote, We had no idea who the people in them were, but we'd watch their lives progress and piece them together. We'd note, oh, there's a new kid in the picture. And what happened to that person? I guess they must have just moved away. And it was strangely compelling, quote. So, yeah, kind of a, a weird voyeuristic research project that the producers of this film did. They watched strangers' home videos. That would be... Mm. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that project. Yeah, I, I don't either. Hmm. Um, did you know the room number A113 is seen over Carl when he's summoned to court? There it is. It's in, I'm pretty sure it's in every movie. Because it was in I think Wally, so too. that was yeah. the directive for the ship and, uh. Here's another dark one. Um, did you know Pete Doctor imagined Charles Muntz as Carl's dark side? So essentially the film's antagonist is Carl's most extreme version of himself. Quote, Muntz is kind of where Carl would have gone had he been allowed to take it to the end of the line. Quote, Doctor told Screen Crave, quote, he just was so obsessed in a sense. He was so obsessed in a sense in Carl because that part of him dies away. Muntz is a sort of symbol of that. So Carl is left with letting go of all the stuff and all his old ideas of what adventure is as personified by Muntz and instead embraces the present and connects with Russell. So I guess I never drew that line, but I, I understand. Like, had Carl, like, with the whole scene where, like, they're walking the house to it, and, like, that's his only objective. He's trying to get rid of Doug. He's trying to get rid of Kevin. Like, he's trying to just accomplish an objective instead of being on an adventure. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. Okay. Fun fact. Deep, dude. Deep. Uh, did you know Doctor and his animation team intentionally drew Carl Square and Russell Round? So to the filmmakers, the characters' shapes were representative of the, their, uh, their personalities. Square just felt like a good way to represent the way Carl was inside. He's a boxed-off, by-the-book, self-enclosed kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Even going so far as to making Russell more round, uh, kind of a balloon shape, because uh, he's always moving in an upward direction, full of energy, very buoyant and bouncy and so on. So, Little gummy bear-looking ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know a boy named Russell Jang was the inspiration for Russell and Up? So growing up in Piedmont, California, uh, Jang lived next door to Pete Doctor. Uh, quote, I was really energetic and sporadic, now college age, Jang uh, recalled. Uh, I would go over a lot to doctors and usually just walk right in. The way I figure if they left it unlocked, then I was fine to go right in. And according to Jang, he found out about his part in the film over dinner with uh, director one evening while he was in grade school. Huh. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's that real life. Yeah, that real life draw. That good stuff. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. So, did you know Oscar-winning composer Michael Giacchino wrote the score by exploring what kinds of music reflected Carl's generation? So, okay, yeah, sure. kind of looking back from music 70 plus years ago, pulling stuff from the 20s and 30s for kind of that opening montage that we talk uh, fondly of. So that makes sense to me. It's got kind of old music box kind of kind of sound to it. Yeah, I don't know if the era was ever explicitly put out, um, but it seemed as though. I don't know, like they're in the closing credits scene where like it's flipping through the book and you're seeing these pictures. Um, you see a clip of Russell and Carl going to the premiere of Star Wars. So like that kind of helps to date it a little bit. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, but like uh, yeah, the date is never really pushed. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was kind of trying to figure out the timeline. But then again, like like when Carl was in the movie theater as a kid, like we were watching black and white film um, and more of like a TV show or a documentary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that would be, what, 60s? Yeah. Um, and then, but I mean, that's as a kid. I mean, he, I don't know. The age is really hard to place because like, Again, with the whole uh, Charles being so much older than him at that point in time, and then them being roughly the same, or looking roughly the same age later in the movie. Well, the ambulance that comes to rescue Carl at the beginning of the film when he falls out of the the waft or whatever he's playing in... Um, mm-hmm. I would guess he was probably born in the 20s or 30s. Okay. Well, no, because... I don't know. Even the timeline's a little misleading. Yeah. Because if it was 20s or 30s, if it was 20s, he probably wouldn't have been in a movie theater. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter. Probably not. 
It's just kind of fun to think of which ones they were doing. Yeah. But uh, moving along, uh, Walt Disney actually inspired the character of Charles Muntz. Oof. Along with Spencer Tracy, Walter Matthau, James Whitmore. Uh, yeah. Muntz was modeled after a strong 1930s era adventurous type. Um, that is terrifying. So. Apparently they, they didn't like... Uh... No, months in the in like the the real. I guess he's not. He's pretty likable, but like everything after that is very unlikable. Yes. So he's likable for about say like eight minutes of the whole movie. That's about it. Yep. Uh, did you know Pete Doctor and other crew members posed as musicians at an old old folks home uh, to research up? Uh, Doctor said in an interview. I played bass at the same time we were spying on all the old folks who were watching us. <laughs> okay. Weird vibes. Yeah, they uh, played jazz tunes, too, apparently. Okay. So. okay. Put together a little band, a little office band. Huh. Uh, according to Doctor, the moment he knew that he would cast Ed Asner for the role of Carl <laughs> was much more lighthearted than... Uh, Asner recalls. Um, so Ed Asner recalls that they found him because they watched a Holocaust film that he was in, and they thought he'd be a perfect fit for the old man and up. That's what Asner has told uh, the the paparazzi, if you will. Okay. Um, however, Pete Doctor kind of has made it a little more soft in tone than that. He basically said that. Uh, they, they brought Ed Asner into Pixar Studios, and they showed him the early models for Carl. And he gruffly looked at it and said, that doesn't look anything like me. And Doctor's like, this guy's perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I mean... I believe both. Yeah, I was going to say... I believe Pixar that... did way too much research, and there was one personality trait that they wanted to have in Carl, and for some reason someone in the office is like, we need to watch... Who knows what? And yeah, I also believe Ed Asner saying that. So yeah, I can see like both of those like those stories don't disconnect. <laughs> like they're like, oh yeah, we brought him into the office. Why'd you bring him into the office? Yeah, like okay, <sighs> yeah, a little weird, but and then ending it on a light note. Some people like numbers. For our numbers people out there, the final balloon count in this film was 10,297 balloons. At the end of the movie? By the end of the movie, that's how many balloons we've seen. Okay. All right. So, nice. A lot of balloons. That's a lot of balloons. I, uh, hmm. I don't know. Like the whole, like some balloons falling off, like fading through, like where they're just not. It was like... There's nothing about that giant pack of balloons that would prevent them from losing helium at different rates, which is kind of a weird thing for me. Like, if you've got a bundle of 20 helium balloons, they're all going to deflate at the same rate. Roughly, yeah. So, like, the fact that, like, there's some that are, like, basically floating down, you know, 20 feet. Yeah. Was kind it was kind of a weird... Uh... I get what you're saying, yeah. Maybe not realistic, but I think they were just trying to give the illusion that this thing's running out of steam. 
Yeah, I understand why they did it. But again, like it was one of those at every point in time I had to be like, oh, yes, we're ignoring physics completely. That is like the tone that they have set. And that's fine. Yeah. It's a kid's movie, right? Yes, exactly. We can get as bent out of shape as we want, but at the end of the day, we got to remember that kidnapping or not, this is a children's <laughs> film. Not kidnapping. Uh, but that takes us to the end of this week's fun facts. Hope you enjoyed some of those. Uh, moving along, some notes on the music of this film. Up is the third Pixar film to be scored by Michael Giacchino after The Incredibles and Ratatouille. <laughs> There you go. All right. Um, also, uh, Giacchino has compared the film to opera, since each character has a unique theme that changes during a particular moment in the story. Kind of neat. And not a ton for music here. Our last but not least... It won an Academy Award for Best Original Score, and it was the first score for a Pixar film to win the Oscar. Uh, Randy Newman also won an Oscar for Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story 3, but that was in the category for Best Original Song. So, groundbreaking stuff there from the music of this film. And uh, I found a lot of stuff with Giacchino, just as I was going through the fun facts. I know I mentioned his name in there a few times, so... Mm -hmm. I gotta believe he was pretty heavily involved in just the overall production of this film. Especially if he's, like, their music guy and he's giving them home videos, you know? Well, that and, I mean, for how much... There's there's not a ton of dialogue in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, we talked about, like, that whole montage, like, the, the getting married thing and all of that. Like, there's no dialogue in that. There's, like, spurts of dialogue, but it's much more score-based running you through that whole movie yeah so at that point i mean at he's got to be watching the whole movie setting the tone for a lot of things hmm. yeah which i i don't know it kind of plays into that like pixar movies are built roughly at the same like they're kind of built start to finish they're not like all right this job's done now we layer it or like correct yeah so correct Depending on how you layer it, yeah, he very well may have had much more um, push or direction in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else we got? I suppose that takes us to the end here. Basically just uh, a villain, a film rating, and a beer rating. Yeah. Got an order you want to do it? Yeah, let's do villain, beer, film. All right. And who is uh, who? Who do you see as the villain in this movie? I see Muntz as the villain, okay. and I think he's gonna take probably my number one spot. Really? I think he's wow. While he may not be like a danger to the planet as a whole, I think he just like he seemed the most evil out of any humans that I've seen in a Pixar film yet to this point. Um. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's going to be a little bit lower. Um, for months, like, well, yes, he did. I mean, he straight up murdered a bunch of adventurers, um, tried to kill Russell twice, um, and tried to kill Carl. It, 
it was one of those he was he only became a danger when he thought people were trying to steal from him um uh, granted like he jumped to that conclusion on his own but like and then kind of ran with it mm-hmm. but like with the whole he took kevin and he was flying back to the states right that's where he was going and then russell flies up to the ship to try to free kevin now yeah and then then that battle ensued but like he knew russell and kevin or russell and um Carl were still alive and still in Paradise Falls. He just bounced out. Like he wasn't yes. trying to track them back down or anything. He just wanted the bird at all costs. So I don't know. It doesn't he's probably coming in at I don't know, probably like number five for me. I just like he's well, he's evil and like it was kind of a I will do anything to accomplish this goal. His intent wasn't necessarily to hurt people. He didn't shy away from doing it, but that was not his objective. So, yeah, I didn't see him as all that evil. Just kind of a dick. Now, if you want to talk, like, animal trafficking, which is, yeah, what happened. But then, I mean, well, let's talk about all zoos and, yeah, whatever. It's, it's the thing. Yeah, it's the animal trafficking part is disturbing, like him being a poacher. The part that bugs me is him killing off explorers and shooting into a house that's got a kid in it. Like, yeah, it got it got pretty dark there, um, which is why he's definitely in like the top ranking villains. I just think some of the other villains had much, much more malicious intent. Well, who did I put as my number one? That was a few weeks ago, wasn't it, that I had my number one? Um, yeah. It was... What did we watch right before Ratatouille? Cars 3. Was that, that it? I think Cars 3 was right before Ratatouille. Because, yeah. I think who's my number one villain right now? Oh, I think it's Evelyn from The Incredibles. Is that her? That could be. If that's the case, I'll... How about this? I'm going to put him as number one... I'm gonna put him even over Evelyn. I'm gonna put him at number one. Okay. You put him at number five. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I guess that takes us to our beer rating. Mm-hmm. Yes, we saved a little bit. Are oh, you got some left? I take a little top off, just a little hair. A little bit to get a review in. I really like this. It is nice. Um, I. Like, so many Hefeweizens end up on, like, the the sweeter side that I forget, like, the spicy, citrusy Hefeweizens exist. Yeah. So when I get one, it's kind of a treat, because I was like, oh, that's not what I expected, but I always just kind of accept, expect the banana, clove, sweeter end of a Hef. Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is your beer, why don't you take it away? Um, I like this. This was one I kind of just snagged at a store out there. I didn't actually try this before I brought it back. Um, talking about Hefeweizens, the sweeter ones, I kind of like mine with like the big punch of banana, the big punch of clove, and a little cloudy. Mm-hmm. This is not that. 
no. this is still very good, but like what I just described, what I like in a Hefeweizen is what I like in like one or two Hefeweizens. It's a full experience. I want to have it, you know, in a wheat glass, nice foamy head on the beer, but an inch head on it at least. Um, yeah, little cloudy, little sweet, little spicy. Um, and I want to have probably one or two of them. This is one where like you bring a four pack of this somewhere playing bags outside or something or to a disc golf park like you can make this disappear easily this yeah. is ultra light it is very much a hefeweizen but very subtle on all those kind of traditional notes that i associate with the hefeweizen so that being said i dig it they could have done more but i'm kind of glad they didn't i'm gonna give it a four even Ooh. um all right the big fan of the the carbonation level, even though I don't know that most Hefeweizens end up being high, higher carbonated. I don't know style-wise if that's supposed to happen. But, again, I'm a, I'm a boy who likes bubbles. Um, the, I'm almost pulling, like, some, like, a citrus. You get any citrus from it? Maybe just a touch. Like, there's something kind of, like, a little sharp on the end. A little tang. Yeah. Um, and I dig that. It's, that being said, it's not my, I much prefer, like, the, the banana and clove, much like you. Yeah. Um, this is, and for me, I can drink a lot of those kind of Fs. I can, yeah. I can crush those pretty much all day long. Won't feel great, but I can do it. Um, so I'm going to come in a little lower. I think I'm going to go 3-5 with this one. Three, five, and four for the fuzz tail from what did we say? Was it Sun River? Sun River Brewing. Yep. Sun River Brewing in Sun River, Oregon. Hey. Didn't make it out there, but I'm sure it's a beautiful place. If it's anything like the rest of that I mean, state, if it's got a name like Sun River. Like, yeah, okay, all right. Like that's a nice name. Yeah. It paints a very pretty picture. Absolutely. So shout out Sun River. We got people in um. I almost said Minnesota for some reason. You got people in sunny California <laughs> drinking your beer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I guess uh, there's only one thing left to do before we blow this popsicle stand. The movie rating. Um, Alright. I'm going to try to be short, sweet, and to the point. I like this movie. I know we disagreed on Carl a lot. I still, watching this, I'm not, I don't want to villainize him any more than I did, but I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I think he's a <laughs> shitty old man. I don't think I'd like him in real life. I don't like him in this animated movie. Not a lot of time for him. I think Russell's cool. I think the the, the snipe is cool. I think Russell's wife, or excuse me, Carl's mom, wife. Carl's that, wife. Oh, that yeah, past yeah. Seemed, seemed awesome. Um, it's a tough one for me. This film is so much different than any other Pixar film in the sense it's really hard to describe. Like, if someone asks you, like, oh, what's Toy Story like? Like, trying to describe these movies to someone who's never seen them. Like, Mm. oh, Toy Story, toys come to life. Oh, Bugs Life, life inside of an ant's world, ants personified. Oh, Monsters Incorporated. 
It's a movie about the monsters under your bed and what they actually do for day jobs. You know, Cars. Ah, it's a movie all about cars personified, like pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Up. Oh, it's a movie about this old guy who loses his wife and flies his house to South Amer- or his house to South America with a kid that he stole and then <laughs> fights the futuristic version of Charles Lindbergh, who's also insane, and then There's a bunch of dogs. A bunch of dogs There's that have human voices, like Yeah, this movie's kinda trippy in a lot of ways. It's very, very weird. Um but I still like it. Um, it's going to go a little better than middle of the pack, kind of like top third for me. I'm going to put it at number six. Hey. Which I think puts it just above Toy Story the fourth. Nice. A um, lot of similar reasoning. Um, also, in pretty big contrast to Wally, um, as I disc- as I talked about before, like, there's not a ton of dialogue in this. Um, like, actually, the final scene where Carl's pinning the badge on Russell, I think that's the most I've heard Carl talk, like, in one go. Like, he... They have conversations, but it's normally pretty short and sweet, and they're interrupted. Like, something's going on. Um, but with the score and with just all of the fun things happening, it it moved quick. Like, yep. the movie moves really quick, but it, I think it's still, like, a two-hour movie, isn't it? I think so, too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of fun all the way through. A lot of really cool visuals. Um, kind of got that Art Deco style on the blimp. A little shorter um, than we thought. It's 96 minutes. Oh, so. okay. It's only an hour and a half. Um, but I'm actually going to put it right there at that number six with you. Um, so I think that puts it right above Finding Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Right above that one. Another movie about a child getting kidnapped. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, this one's a weird one. It's just like, I mean, this movie came out in two thousand nine, and it's a children's movie that has Ed Asner and Christopher Plummer in the leading roles. I mean, in two thousand and nine, Christopher Plummer would have been eighty years old and in two thousand nine Ed Asner would have been eighty years old. It's just like and that's about it. There's not a whole lot of other voices. You know, there mm-hmm. was the kid that played Russell, which was actually a kid, but I looked up his credits. It seemed like it was kind of a a one off a one off child actor thing that did a voice in a couple video games and that was about it. So I mean really, you know, if we're talking about the cast of Pixar films the cast of Up is is Ed Asner and Christopher Plummer, and that's about it. And that is very weird for a movie that's made for, like, six-year-olds. Yeah, it's, I guess I hadn't really thought about that, but basically all of the characters in this movie are old people. Yeah, and it's for an audience of people that have never heard of any of these people. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of weird, but I also have noticed that talking to adults, you know, as we've started doing this show up is constantly one that gets brought up especially by people like our age and older they love up i feel like i don't know up is yeah it's definitely one of the pixar movies for the parents what's kind of weird about this one is like as far as movies i've for sure seen several times in pixar this is pretty much the last one where like 
if somebody mentioned it, like, yes, absolutely, I've seen that. Because I think after this, we've got Brave. Yep. Uh, and then we've got uh, Good Dinosaur. Um, we've got Onward left. We've got Soul. We've got... I guess Toy Story 3... That might have even been a year... No, I think Toy Story 3 would have technically been a couple years after this. That could be. But yeah, I but get like, what you're in, saying. In like the in the um the sort or the in the order we're doing these movies. Yeah. This is pretty much the last one where I've got any sort of history with it. Same. Yeah. Um, which is kind of exciting cuz like we're crossing into unknown territory now. Yeah, you what know? are we talking about next week? Adventure is out there, pal. Uh next week we got Brave. Brave. All right. Um, which I'm also pretty excited about. Uh, so we got Brave left. We got Soul. We got Luca. We've got Inside Out. We've got Coco. Um, Onward. And that might be it. Yeah, the oh, on- the Good Dinosaur. Yep. Um, yeah, the only one for sure that I know I've seen is. Uh, Inside Out. It's the only one left, but I think I've only ever seen it once. And I think the only one I've seen is Soul and like half a cocoa. So yeah, we're we're in for some treats. Hopefully. <laughs> Any predictions? Any of these up and comers that you think are gonna score surprisingly high? I've heard very good things about both Soul and Coco. Uh I have not heard a lot about Brave. Um or the good dinosaur. Uh, or Onward, for that matter. Like, I remember those movies coming out, but I don't remember much about them. Like, I don't remember people talking about them. Um, yeah. The one, I, the one I'm going to admit I'm least excited for is probably Onward. Okay. Yeah. That one, just from, like, the commercial, I remember seeing the commercial, it felt kind of like a, I don't know, I don't want to say money grab, but it kind of felt like it. See, but I could... kind of had the same impression, but I've heard from people it's pretty fun. Okay. I've heard from I... people if you like kind of like 80s road movies, like, it's a good time, which I absolutely do. All right. So, Like I said, I, I'm not going to prejudge any of these movies at all, just because, like, I haven't seen them, and Pixar, shy of Finding Dory and Cars 2, has not really led us astray. Monsters U also wasn't a huge fan, but it was fine. Um, but yeah, short of those, and those are all sequels. It seems as though Pixar really loses steam in the sequels. Short of Toy Story 3 and 4. 2 is fine. Yeah. But I'm excited. We're, we're in, like I said, we're, uh, adventures out there, pal. We're gonna, we're gonna go find it. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Whoo! Well, I think uh, that brings us to a close for this week. We uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode uh, as much as we enjoyed arguing. <laughs> um, but things are good. We, you know, agree to disagree. Exactly. That's why still, we do this show. Still both rated at six. Yeah. In our number six spot. <laughs> like, very, very different opinions watching this movie. But... I spent a lot of time complaining only to come out saying the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. But Solid uh, build. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, 
If you want a, you know, a little more Suds Buds in your life, feel free to check us out on Instagram. That's Suds Buds Podcast, S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z Pod. Um, also, shoot us an email. That's SudsBudsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, our shows drop every Thursday on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and PodMN. Uh, check us out. Feel free to leave a little review. We appreciate that. And as always, please Pixar responsibly. Are you?